0: As we have learned time and time again, your life can change in an instant. Even knowing that though, it is still shocking to find out how quickly things can go south. A family would attend their church one day, head home and turn in one night, with plans for the next morning. Only the next morning would never come. Hey guys, and welcome to my podcast. I'm your host, Lulu, and it's great to talk to you again. How's your week been? Mine's been busy, very, very busy. Um, I put in my two weeks at my job. I feel very burned out recently, and it's been hard to, you know, keep up with things around the house and the podcast and just a lot of things. So me and my husband talked about it, and I put my two weeks in. Hopefully that will free up a little bit of time. Um, my babysitter also can't watch my children anymore while I work, which is just fine. And But yeah, so hopefully that will all do well. Um, other than a really busy, tiring week, it's been pretty normal for me. The weather where I live has been terrible. It has been cold and miserable and I am just ready for the summertime. Anyways, I don't have any updates for you guys. Um, I was thinking about maybe cutting back some of our Friday uploads for a while till I can get back on my feet. But as of right now, that's not set in stone. I'll let you guys know if I feel like we need to start cutting those back and maybe doing those once a month as well. But as of right now, still plan on them every Friday. But if things get busier and I just get more burned out for my mental health, it will probably be best um i i am struggling with stuff to get on youtube like the editing software that i have is just not it's not there it's not working nothing is saving it's all crashing it it's terrible so i am keeping my eye open for another editing software that i think would be really really good it's just very expensive and i can't afford it right now so as soon as that goes on sale the plan is to get that And then, you know, we can start on YouTube, even if I don't have a video yet. There's a couple reasons we don't have a video yet. I actually need another desk. I think I've told you guys about that before. Um, I need another desk to put all my stuff on, like my computer and things like that, because I didn't think about that when we moved in here. And then one of my lights needs to be fixed. I also have a project that I was working on for a backdrop type of thing, like a painting that would go behind me. Um, But that one we don't, like, need now. But yeah, I'll keep you updated on the whole YouTube situation. I even tried to get this like super easy one to just put a picture of my podcast and just like the audio to it and it is not working. It is so frustrating. But anyways, that's the only other update that I have. Um, I've talked long enough and yeah, we can go ahead and talk about today's case. I have my Pepsi here. It's cold and I'm ready to talk about the Veliska Axe Murders. I had never heard of this before. This was really cool and I wonder if this is, okay, I say I've never heard of this, but I wonder if it's a case that my brother used to tell me when I was a kid. He used to tell me about um, this axe murder that happened forever ago and it's like haunted house. And as I researched this, it made me wonder if that, like this is the case that he was talking about. But I had never really like dove into it. Um, There were six people that lived in the home. These six were Josiah, who was 43 years old. Sarah Montgomery, who was 39 years old. Herman Montgomery, who was only 11. Mary Catherine, who was 10. Arthur Boyd, who was 7. And Paul Vernon, who was only 5 years old. Now, even though only six people lived in the home, eight people would fall victim to a horrendous murder. The additional two who would fall victim to this murder was Lena Stillinger, who was 12, and Ina May, who was only eight years old. They both had been invited over by Mary, the 10 year old, to have a sleepover and spend the night. The two of them happily agreed, and they headed over to the home. Once Ina and Lena were there, they would go and attend church. During this church program, Sarah would coordinate the children's day program, and a lot of the children, I think actually all of the children that were there, including the guests, attended that program. They would leave church and this program at 9.30 p.m., We believe they returned home somewhere between 9.45 and 10 p.m. that night, but we are unsure as to what time they actually returned home. Either way, we do know that they got home. They walked three blocks to the church and they walked three blocks back home, made it home safely and since it was night, everybody settled in. They decided to have a snack of milk and cookies before all of them went to bed. And this is where our official timeline starts, or kind of timeline starts. We know for sure that they attended church. We know for sure Sarah led that children's program that they were all there. And we know for sure they all made it home safely and had a meal, well, a snack, before bed. We don't know entirely what happened next, But from either the late hours of June 9th or somewhere early on June 10th of 1912, the family, including the guests, would be attacked. The reason we know this is because we do know they went to church that day, the day prior, or just prior, I guess I should say, because it's entirely possible that they died right as they got home after milk and cookies. But we do know they attended church prior. And then the next morning, the neighbors realized that the family had not come outside like they did every day. The family had chores, like letting their chickens out. And the neighbors every single day would see the entire family doing their chores, letting the chickens out. But they realized pretty quickly that the family did not exit their home and their chickens had not been let out. Because of this, they became increasingly worried. They decided to walk over to the neighbor's house and knock on the door to see if they were okay and maybe if they just slept in that day. But nobody answered. The neighbor decided to try the door to see if it was locked. I'm not really sure why people do this. It's entirely possible that they intended on going through the house if the door was unlocked Either way, the door was locked and they decided to walk around and let the chickens out for the neighbors. Maybe they went out of town. Maybe they just weren't home. Once they let the chickens out, they decided their next plan of action was to contact Josiah's brother. For some reason, I don't really know how. I'm assuming this neighbor was closer to these people than I, than I am with my neighbors, but they had his brother's phone number. They called his brother, and they told him of the concerns and about how they hadn't seen them leave their house yet. It was now late morning. They hadn't even let their chickens out, and nobody was answering the phone call. The brother drove over there almost immediately and did the same thing that the neighbors did, knocked and waited, but still nobody answered. He started trying to shout through the house, through the windows, trying to get anybody to answer if somebody was asleep, but nobody answered. Now, this brother did have a spare key. I don't know why he didn't just let himself in in the first place, but he was probably trying to give them some sort of respect and space. Either way, when nobody answered, he decided it was time to let himself into the house. He inserted his spare key, unlocked the home, and walked in. His very first thing to do was to check the guest bedroom. He walked straight to the guest bedroom and opened the door and found Ina and Lena, both dead on the guest bed. At this point, he shouted to the neighbor who was outside waiting to call the authorities. They needed help. It does sound like these two waited until the authorities arrived before investigating further and just handing it off to the authorities. I can definitely see how after seeing two young children dead in the home, he would do that but also props to the brother for not wanting to make sure his brother was okay. Because I feel like I would have shouted to get authorities and then I would have continued to look through the house to find my brother. But I know that that's not the right thing to do and he did the right thing. Step back and hand it to authorities. When the authorities arrived and began their investigation, they did find the two children, Ina and Lena, who were murdered. But they also found body after body after body. All of the family was murdered on top of the two guests that had stayed the night. And it wasn't like a question as to if they were murdered. It was very clear. Every single person had a very, very bad head wound that had killed them. And doing the search of the house, they also discovered that one of Josiah's axes had been taken out and was actually laying in one of the rooms with one of the dead bodies. It was covered in blood and very, very clearly the murder weapon. But Josiah couldn't have been the one wielding the axe because Josiah was dead as well. He actually had the worst beatings of everybody in the entire home. His eyes were missing The ceiling in his room had a mark from where the blade of the axe had hit it, and that's when the authorities also realized that the blade was used on Josiah's head, whereas it wasn't used on everyone else. Upon further investigation, they realized that whoever murdered everybody had used the blunt side of the axe to bludgeon all of the other victims besides Josiah. He had been subjected to the blade and the sharp part of the axe. Because of this, they believed that this person who had murdered everybody had come for Josiah and probably just Josiah. They believed that Josiah was the target all along, and because the family was all home and kind of in the way, they decided to take everybody out and began to smash their heads in one after another until... They got to Josiah. Their heads had also been covered with clothing. The wounds were not immediately visible when you walked in until you moved the clothing off of their faces and their heads. It was very clear that the cause of death was blunt force trauma. It was very clear that one of Josiah's axes was used And they also discovered cigarettes in the attic of the home. They now believed that the killer had let himself or herself in sometime during the day, climbed up into the attic and waited until the family fell asleep and then murdered all of them. They also believed that he had started with Josiah and Sarah leaning more towards the fact that Josiah was originally the target. Once Josiah was taken care of and Sarah was taken out as well, they moved on to Herman, Mary, Catherine, Luther, and Paul, then finished off with Ina and Lena. A lot of reasons pointed towards this being the way he murdered them, the order. There was a shoe that was filled with blood that had been knocked over and it was clear that the way the person had kicked it was walking towards Ina and Lena. That and the ax was found in Ina and Lena's room, which meant that he had killed them and then most likely just dropped the ax and left. At least that's what they thought at first. Murder, drop the ax, leave the murder weapon and leave immediately. But then they found that there was some bacon that had been taken out of the freezer and placed next to the abandoned ax. They also discovered there was untouched food and water that had blood in it. They're unsure if these belonged to the murderer or if they were left out by the family. And then they also noted that there was bed sheets and aprons hanging up over the windows so that nobody could see into the home while whatever was happening, was happening. This was a very weird murder scene. It was very clear that somebody had pre-planned it for some reason, but they still needed to send the bodies off for an autopsy. Now remember, this case happened in 1912. They don't have the tools that we have now, and they got things wrong a lot of the times back then. I guess not a lot of the times, but they did get them wrong a lot. But this autopsy reflected the fact that they had died somewhere between midnight and 5am that day. They had all been hit in the head about 30 times. And once again, it was clear, Josiah was the only one that's head was met with a blade and not smashed in with the blunt end of the axe. They also concluded that everybody was asleep when they got attacked except for Lena. She must have either been awake or had been awoken during the attacks. She was laying across the bed instead of in the bed like everyone else, and she had a wound on her arm instead of just her head. They believed Lena had been trying to fight her attacker back, but he or she ended up overpowering Lena and smashing her head in as well. Heartbreakingly enough, she had also had her nightgown pushed up over her waist. She had no underwear underneath the nightgown, but other than the fact that that was a horrific sign to see for a young girl, there was no evidence that she had been raped. But they did believe that the killer, probably after she had died, sexually assaulted her. I do want to put out there, though, that it is possible that the killer didn't sexually assault her and just wanted to humiliate her when they were found. I do know some killers that had done that, that for some reason had put their victims in compromising positions or stripped them naked of their clothing and never actually touched or did anything to them, just did it so they would be humiliated, basically, after death as well, which is horrific to think about. But either way, she was across the bed and in a compromising position that she should not have been in in the first place. Early on, they had several people raise red flags. These people were Andrew Sawyer, George Kelly, Frank Jones, William Mansfield, Henry Moore, Sam Moyer, and Paul Mueller. I think I'm saying all of their names right. There of course could have been more people that they haven't said, but these ones in specific are the ones that the authorities believed could have done something or known something. Let's break these people down a little bit. The first one we're gonna talk about is Andrew Sawyer. Andrew was a stranger to the family, but after the murders happened, he became obsessed with them, you guys, to the point where the authorities thought there had to be something there. During their investigations into Andrew, they discovered that he was not only obsessed with it, but he would sleep fully clothed like he was going to jump and run at any time. He also slept with an axe next to his bed. Despite looking into him and believing that this was all very weird, they could not find anything else to point him to the fact that he could have been involved and they had to drop him as a suspect deeming him just weirdly obsessed with the case. The next is George Kelly. He had raised some very concerning red flags to the authorities, like how he was caught peeping in on women. He had asked a lot of women to pose naked for him. Interestingly enough, he was also traveling the night of the murders, And during his travels, he was suffering from a pretty massive mental breakdown. He was also teaching at that children's services that the family had attended and that Sarah ran. He had to have interacted with the entire family before the murders. They also knew that he had left town before the murders had been found. Very, very early. When they attempted to charge him and took him to court, he would confess to these murders. Nobody took him seriously though because it didn't sound very convincing. Then suddenly he became weirdly obsessed with the murders as well. He began writing letters to everybody involved, the authorities, the family, literally everyone. And they decided to look into him a little more again because they really thought George was responsible But when they discovered about that mental break we talked about, it made his story less believable. And they felt like during this mental break, his brain had imagined him being responsible and he was now convinced that he did it. Later down the line, he would be found to have sexually harassed somebody through the mail and they arrested him. Once he was arrested, they got suspicious again and began questioning him about these murders. He had an enormous amount of detail that he could share. They would arrest him again and attempt to charge him. During this time, he would recant his confession and they tried to charge him and got nowhere. He was the one they believed had to be responsible and they have attempted or did attempt to charge him twice. Both times, though, they did not have enough proof and he walked free. The next man we're going to talk about is Frank Jones. Frank was a resident and had been Josiah's boss. Josiah went on to open his own store and actually took clients away from Frank On top of that, there was also a rumor going around town that Josiah was having sex with Frank's daughter-in-law. All of this was to point to the possible murder of Josiah being the target. But they couldn't prove anything, and they couldn't try to charge Frank. They didn't necessarily feel like Frank was responsible with it though. They believe Frank had hired another man named William Mansfield to murder Josiah and the family. There was a very similar case that William was part of that sounded a lot like this one. The murder weapon in this other case was an axe and William had hung up bedsheets on every window to prevent people from looking in. It also had only happened nine months before the family would be murdered. They looked into William a little bit more and that is when they discovered that he had an alibi because of their lack of evidence, they knew it wasn't William and they had to release him later down the line they actually found out that his alibi was a complete and total lie and he was seen in the area but at this point they still didn't have enough evidence the next man that we're going to talk about is henry moore henry is suspected to be a serial killer he was convicted of murdering his mother and grandmother after the murders of the family would happen He would also use an ax to murder his mother and grandmother. Other than suspicions and the fact that he used an ax though, they had no proof that Henry had any part in this family's murder. Sam was also a suspect, but this was only because he had threatened to kill Josiah at one point, but he did have an alibi and they crossed him off the list. The last person we're going to talk about is Paul Muller. Paul was an employee at their farm. He was their farm hand. For a long time, Paul was never really considered a suspect until somebody wrote a book claiming that they knew who did it and that it was Paul. In this book, these people did their own research they found a newspaper and a ton of family who had died under very scarily similar circumstances and Paul always seemed to be near the home. Paul was a traveling farmhand. They believe in this book that he was on a killing spree and that the family unfortunately had fallen prey to his murderous hands. If you are interested in reading this book, and I am, I just haven't had time because everything has been so crazy lately, this is a book that was published in 2017, and it's called The Man from the Train by Bill James. I am interested in reading this book, but that, if you want to read it, that is, that's is—that's the name of it. Um, after this book was published, that's when a lot of people became suspicious of Paul as well, and they believed that this book might have hit the nail on the head, and that Paul was responsible for the entire murders. But nobody knows. They had not enough proof for anybody to hold anybody responsible. To this day, these ax murders have been left unsolved. It is very possible that it was one of the people the authorities suspected. It's also very possible that it was Paul. Maybe one day we'll have an answer But as of right now, the person who murdered this entire family got away with it. And still to this day, we have no idea who it could have been. There may be false or misleading information throughout this podcast. All facts have been researched to the best of my abilities, but accidents do happen. If this is a story you are interested in knowing more about, I highly recommend doing your own research. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.